Yo, yo, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Fruit of the Bone Podcast. This is your boy, JBJR, in the building. Uh, you know, it's a beautiful Saturday uh, in St. Louis today, man. You know, a little bit windy, man, but the weather definitely still nice, man. We had a lot of rain and stuff happen uh, not too long ago with our fresh produce that we just had a live show done uh, this past Wednesday, man, which was April 7th, man, and it was fantastic, man. So shout out to everyone. Shout out to the crew that came through, man. So we set up a beautiful everything down at Ballpark Village downtown st louis shout out to all the producers that came through man shout out to d.d professor with the champ shout out to madman who was the run-up man let's say shout out to everyone that competed and then shout out to all the fans and everyone that came through man because it, it was just live man it was just love all the way around so definitely you know thank you for everyone that came through man for real for real and as always man you know check us out on social media which is every form of social media which is at fruit bone pie which is f-r-u-i-t b-o-o-m-p-o-d and then like i said you can catch us on every streaming service uh minus youtube as of right now so you know just search fruit of the bone podcast on youtube we out there spotify google apple mixcloud amazon stitcher tune in pandora we out here so make sure you check us out and then check out all the archived episodes from episode one all the way till now so make sure you check us out there but right now we got special guests in the building man uh i known this brother for uh, some years man like definitely around the time when i started making everything production wise man especially coming up in the scene here in st louis back in 09 my man always been a supporter man doing some fantastic things you know locally and just also just uh, within the industry itself man my man been doing amazing shit man i always wanted to get this brother on man because he always had some great stories to tell. We always got along and chopped it up beautifully, man. So I definitely want to give all praise and welcome to my man, Lord Byron B. How you doing, brother? Hey, what's going on, JB? Can't complain, man. I'm blessed and busy. What's the word? Man, same here, man. Same here, bro. Like, just blessed and busy, man. Doing everything. Like, I was telling you, podcasting, still doing beats, man. Just, you know, being married, man. And just handling business, man. Doing this fresh produce shit, man. So, above everything else, man, I'm definitely glad I was able to have you on. So, thank you again for coming on the show, man. Thanks for the invite, man. It's an honor. I'm glad we finally able to make it work, man. <laughs> Hell yeah. Hell it's always yeah, funny, bro. man. People always, um, you know, invite me for these kind of things. And I'm like, man, I don't have anything to talk about. But I was like, you know... If I ever get started to talk about some stuff, I was like, I'm hit up JB. That's the first person I'm going to. So, you know, shout out to you and uh, Fruit of the Boom. Man, my, man, must appreciate it, bro. That's love, man. For real, for real. Definitely appreciate that, man. We're going to go ahead and get started in a second, man. But uh, before we do, for anyone who's never checked out the show, um, the whole point of Fruit of the Boom podcast is to give all, um, just give the stories and experiences and lives to the people behind the scenes for like your favorite music. Like, like I always say, love the artists, love the bands to death, but plenty of shows about them and you can just search stuff willy nilly for them. But now a lot of shows about the three main um, aspects behind the scenes to make the music pop, which is the DJ, the producer, and the engineer. And then I want to start expanding out some more people that's in the industry, whether it's podcasters, radio hosts, uh, A&Rs, anyone who's able to make, the, uh, anyone who's behind the scenes that make your favorite music pop. I love hearing like the stories, the experiences, the business aspect, the personal aspect. Love hearing all that stuff and I know you guys do too. So I want to give all that space and opportunity to those who are able to make your favorite music come up and pop for you to listen to all the time. So that's pretty much the whole point of the show. And I want to go ahead and get started um, with something that's real basic and simple, which is a question I ask everyone to start with, man. So, uh, Tell us, man, how did you get started in music in general? And uh, just take us back, man. How, how did you get to this point, like, with music and whatnot? How much time we got? <laughs> oh, dude, oh, bro, speak, speak on Hey, speak on it, bro. Speak on it. I don't want to bore the listeners. I'm like, who the hell is this dude? But nah. Yeah, so, hey, long story short, um, 
I mean, it's gonna sound cliche, but whatever. You know, I I, I really did grow up in a musical family, right? My uh, great grandmother, she was a gospel music composer, and also she was like um like a like a radio DJ like back in the day. So like the KATZ, that's what she was like, really back in the day. Oh yeah. And so growing up, you know, and she also was like a choir music director. So literally everybody in my family they had pianos. So as a kid, you know, I used to go always go to people's houses and be up in the front room just banging on the pianos and you know the cool thing about growing up in a musical household and a family is that no one tells you to stop banging on stuff you know so eventually that banging turned into me actually physically learning how to play the piano um outside of that um my dad was a dj like a big dj back in st louis and um i will always he would take me um record shopping with him on the weekends so like on saturdays you know, this when record shopping was a thing. Um, he had relationships with a lot of like the record stores in St. Louis. So like um, Streetside, uh, Vintage Vinyl, you know, shout out to Euclid Records, um, some places like on the South Side too. And they would literally hold the new releases for him. And he would go and, you know, listen to him and buy what he, he wanted to buy and then pick up some new ones to play at the club later that night. So just seeing him in that process of, you know, quote unquote vinyl digging and kind of putting together his playlist <laughs> for the night was kind of cool and then outside of that um i always tell people my mom was like my first a r because as a kid she will always she has a huge record collection so she always put on these records but you know like parliament um booty collins like um george clinton a lot of quincy jones stuff and a lot of just like kind of just different eclectic records and she would just have me listen to these records and as a kid she would just always grill me like what do you hear right now and I just hear music. She's like, no, what's playing right now? So I literally had to break down each instrument and every song. And that was just like a, a routine thing in the car. And as a kid, I didn't mind. I thought it was fun because I remember being in music class. Um, and we had these posters on the wall of all these different, you know, brass instruments and, you know, woodwinds and percussions and things like that. And as I'm talking to her visually, I can start seeing the instruments in my head because, you know, we saw, I saw the charts at school. So I just thought it was like, a kind of a fun game growing up but years later that's something that you know played a huge part of my story later down the line but yeah i mean so i got into you know the ideal of music right so you know my first instrument i ever played was drums fell in love with that and then um obviously piano because i grew up in a musical household with that and i played flute for a while but i stopped flute because you know unbeknownst to me you know i supposed to eat flaming hot cheetos and drink soda before practice so i did that <laughs> for a year and it killed me and i was like i'm done with the flute and i got rid of drums because i feel like the piano was where it's at so um i don't know man like you know um in elementary school i kind of always messed around with just you know i was the guy like beating on tables literally you know, there's always one person in, in the school, but I was literally like the resident expert for making beats on the table because I can do all the random sound effects in my mouth. Also, I was the first person in the school that can randomly do bass with his voice too. So that used to freak people out. <laughs> so, you know, I, I was the guy to grab for that. And um, I had a good friend growing up. Um, we would kind of make beats, but it was, wasn't like what you think it was like on a computer. It's like um, I had this little $100 keyboard that I borrowed from my, my grandmother. And um, my mom, she was a school teacher. She had like these tape recorders. And then my dad was a DJ, so he had these vinyls. So what we used to do, um, I used to take his vinyls from the club and, you know, play the instrumental side, right? Or side with the acapella vocals. And we would hit play and record on the tape recorder. And it wasn't nothing fancy. You didn't, you couldn't like, you know, hook anything external to it. It just, it had like little small little microphone on it. And we basically would add kind of like elements 
on top of like the vinyl, you know, record and recording. So that was like my first quote unquote beat tapes. And we did that for a while, you know, just playing around, you know, nobody knew nothing serious. And then um, I feel like I'm going off topic because I know you asked how I got to music. I feel like I'm about to go no, to no. another half of your question. <laughs> oh, no, 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 bro, please yeah, yeah. keep going, man. We got time. So go, go yeah. ahead and talk. So, um, yeah, we, we just always did that, have fun. And then he started rapping. So, you know, I was kind of like the DJ MC and I would mimic things that I would hear my dad say on the radio or like the tapes he would bring home from him recording himself at the club. And I would kind of be like his hype man while he was rapping on these tapes. And then eventually we just, we just did it for a while. This was around like, I think, I believe like six, six, sixth grade, I believe. Yeah. Six, seven or something, something like that. And um, I just remember one day I called him and his phone rang. He didn't pick up and I called him again. And I was like, what are you doing? He was like, making beats. Bye. Hangs up on the phone. Making beats. I'm like, I got the stuff over here. What are you talking about? I called him <laughs> back. He said, yo, let me call you back. He hangs up again. I called him again. I was like, yo, what are you doing? He said, yo, I'm making beats. I was like, how? He said, on my computer. And I'm like, well, what? He says, this thing called Fruity Loops. I'm like, what's that? And then he just hung up and then, you know, I'll stop the story there, but you know, let's just say like that, that started the first half into me getting interested in like, you know, digitally producing so, or making beats at, the, at that time, you know? That's what's up, man. That's that's hell of what's up, man. So, uh, so what? So what are you using right now? You still using FL or uh, using hardware software? I know you told me you got some pianos and stuff like this. So, what are you using? FL, right man. Now? FL to the day I die. I tell people, um, I'm probably the only person that started on the original version of Reloops. You know, it, it came out. Um, I don't want to actually. Let me Google it real quick. I don't want to give you the wrong date. I want to last say I think it was like '97 or something. Hold on one second. So you was like fruity, so like fruity loops right. one basically. Um, let me see. Yeah, ninety seven. So yeah, check it. This is the story. So originally, I tell people fruity loops was two programs. It was fruity loops, which you see now as like you know like the like the beat the beat sequencer, right? And then there was fruity tracks, which is like how the playlist looks. There were two separate programs. So in theory, hmm. tracks is how you kind of like you made the loops in like the fruity loops part, and then you take that and put it in tracks was kind of like it was laid out like how Pro Tools was so the first one it was so cool because like you can kind of like kind of like the old school like NPCs you can like kind of adjust like the quality of it so like a lot of my earlier stuff it was kind of like kind of like crushed down to like this mono sound because like it was just how the sound engine was and then it was so cool and but it was just a beat sequencer and a midi sequencer that's all it was free loops and then the second version when they came out with it they, they took fruity tracks and Fruity Loops and they combine them together and it basically Fruity Loops that stuck around until Image Line bought them and, and it became like FL Studio. But yeah, so to this day, I, st I still use um, Fruity Loops. I love it. Um, I had a, a small run, like probably like in the, the early 2000s where I got bit by the NPC bug. So I bought a 2500 and then like I was gifted a 2000 by one of the artists I was working with and I was just locked in with hardware. Nice. But like, I don't know. I, I couldn't really. The workflow was cool, but I couldn't really get my issue off the way I wanted and what I heard, because it was just I still had to take it and put it back in the computer and do stuff. So like, um, I eventually I, I bought a. Um, I don't know if you remember, but um, this is a company named Open Labs. They used to make this keyboard called Nico, and uh, oh, I, yeah, I bought yeah. one, and that, that changed my life. I was like, now I literally have FL. <laughs> in the keyboard and I can also communicate to all my other keyboards that I have. So I was like, yeah, so to this day, I, I use FL a lot, you know? 
Ain't, dude, ain't shit wrong with it, man. Because I started on uh, four, man. I got I got twenty now, but I started on like four back in the day, like when I was like shit, eighteen. So like, so yeah, I started. So yeah, I started. So I was a late bloomer in a lot of this shit, man. Like eighteen, I know a lot of people like say Silk mm-hmm. started literally childhood on up. So yeah, but I came I came in like said right when I was eight, about seventeen, eighteen. I started using four. Then I think I jumped around, and I think with four, man, it was a cracked version because it was like you know i ain't had the money at the time man but you know eventually of course i bought my own version like now i'm 20 now so and 20 is the shit to me i love 20 because i so i took because i took a long time to kind of not want to use 20 because like uh, i don't know but then when i found out oh you can use it's now interchangeable with mac now i was like okay now if i ever want to get a mac i can use it. even though i'm still a pc person Definitely, you know, if I ever want to get a Mac, I definitely could do it. Like if I need to go to someone's studio and they got 20, which nine times out of 10 they do, you know, I just go ahead, hop on there, use that stuff and be done with the shit. You know what I'm saying? But nah, man, like not nah, so that, that's dope, man. Cause you know, me personally, I never knew uh, the original the original version of Free Loose was mm-hmm. two separate programs. So now nah, you guys are tracks, man. It, it's, it's super dope. Whenever you get a chance, just check out, um, just go online. Like you can, you know, check it out on image line and um, they have their whole history there and you can literally see how each version looked, man. But you know, it's crazy. I, I tell people like, you know, I, I was still learning and yeah, because we didn't, we didn't have YouTube back then, you know, like I said, it's like around like 97, right. 98. And um, I just have fun and experiment. What was crazy is like, you were talking about the crack version and I was a kid. So obviously I didn't have money to buy this program. I didn't know you can even buy the program. So I had the demo version and what a lot of people don't know, the earlier versions of um, FL demo is that, um, after like a few minutes, there used to be like this this sound that come through and it shut off. <laughs> kind of like how, you know, certain plugins used to be like, after a few minutes, you'd be like this white noise, like, Shh, you know what I mean? It, it, it was like yeah. that in FL, but um, I kid you not, what I used to do since I couldn't save anything, it was the demo. I don't have a pad to show you, but um, <laughs> I literally used to write out kick and the kind of kick it was. And then I would write down like one comma, six comma eight nine and that that was to let me know like Damn. what pattern the kick was on and i write the tempo down and then i would write also the levels of which i panned it and everything so literally that was my version of recalling beats i shit you not so like i i Damn. i recall beats that way manually but then also too i know you're like well how did you bounce beats down at the time I'll be honest my, my boy eventually who um put me onto the program he showed me how to export tracks because for the longest, when he I listened to his beats and they sounded clear and crispy, but my beats, like I said, they were all like this weird kind of crush mono kind of lo-fi sound. It was kind of hard, but it was weird. And what cause I was doing was um I had a PC at the time and um on the I think some program on the PC it was like you know how you have app, um iTunes like the equalizer there was like an equalizer mm-hmm. on the PC but it had like a like a, a wave recorder in it. So basically, I would record the beats in real time. So I was doing all my mutes and all my automation in real time in FL back in like 98. <laughs> yeah, Damn. so imagine doing that, saving the beats and then like whatever you have. It's kind of like we think about how people used to work on tape before digital tape, you know, recorders exist, like multi-track. Tell me like, you got one take, just one roll of tape, you better get it right. So that's how it was with like the beats. I was manually doing stuff. But then on top of that, I was writing down the stuff for recalls. So like how people used to do with the consoles. I'm like, okay, the kick is on this channel. And you know, the assistant engineer is like, okay, we, we, we routed over here to this delay effects and literally, so it probably took me like 15 minutes every time I need to like work on something on the beat. I'd be like, okay, cool. The kick goes here, the snare, and then, okay, Sim Synth was right here and I had the bell. 
<laughs> you know. Damn. So, but you know, yeah, it, it was cool. But like the day he showed me how to export, it, it was it was a game changer. When I, I learned how to export and I learned how to sequence, I was like, wait, I don't have to do this in real time. Cause I used to sequence everything too manually on the spot, and that, that kind of um, allowed me to appreciate the um, the process. To tell you the truth, because I learned a lot just by having to do a lot. So when I was able to kind of scale back, it's like I still had that built into me of that workflow and that hustle. So they never take any shortcuts. No, no, dude, that's mad interesting, bro. Because like, you no, know, just for the fact that you literally took the time out, like say 15 minutes, it sounded like maybe 15 minutes, maybe in the least, maybe just like writing everything out because you just didn't have the capability until you actually have the capability. It's just like, damn. Like it's, it's, it sounds like you know, kind of like back, you know, even back in the day, like what what we talked about before um, we started the show, like like how I used to even listen to my shit, and which was the car test. Like for me, I just bounced shit out on the CD, and I had literally stacks of CDs. You know what I'm saying? Stacks, and I would just take a beat, you know, take a couple beats, throw them in the car, see how it sound. And this before like I got an aux cord, and I could just bounce the shit out to a phone and just do it like that. And before I learned that like bouncing shit out to Wave is the easiest way to get like the most accurate sound that you can get directly from the dog. And I was like, okay, let me go ahead and try this because all my shit was just MP3s. So I was like, I was like, damn. Like, mm -hmm. then, you know, I was burning through CDs, like going to Walgreens, mm -hmm. CV, you no know, Walgreens or Walmart, wherever I was going, just burning through CDs. You know what I'm saying? And then we got to the point, like I said, when we got to the aux core game, and then I was like, okay, let me try this out. And when I did that, I never looked back. I still haven't looked back. Just, I you know, do I still car test my shit? I do. I still. Because it's to, for me, and I know you can, I know you can understand this too. The car test for me is like on just all default, uh, all default, everything like with the equalizer and everything like that. It's to me the best sound because like if I know it sounds good on default in the car, it's gonna sound good on like studio monitors with no problem. Right. I know, I know it will. So for you to tell me that you really took a notepad and wrote down everything, like literally wrote down this is the instrument i use this is uh the sequence i use this is the bpm i use you know mm -hmm. this is how long the beat was supposed to be you know, like that's hella interesting and actually right. you kind of first person that <laughs> i've interviewed that told me something like that and that's so to me that's like man interesting like for real for real and like i said like disclaimer like youtube wasn't what you guys think it is now it wasn't like you know, hey guys, what's going on today, YouTube? So today I'm going to show you how to, you know, format your beats. <laughs> like you literally had to figure it out. And I, I tell people too, like the digital era of like, you know, production and creation, it was, I mean, obviously digital production has been around for like a while, like since the 80s, right? But like in terms of like doing it on the computer and like it's kind of like more in-house, it was still foreign to a lot of people in the industry. So like it was accessible to like little kids like us in middle America who couldn't just randomly go down the street and like, you know, Teddy Riley Studios, like right there, you know what I mean? So literally, we just had to like, you know, figure it out. But um, I mean, yeah, dude, I, like I said, I messed with that day in, day out. Um, it, it was funny, cause like, I tell people like my first beats, you know, it's funny to this day. Um, I actually, hold on one second. I'll show you later, but I actually still have all my original beat CDs. That I Bro, made. you too? Do you too? Yeah, it's like a stack this <laughs> big. So I'm gonna put it in the Smithsonian one day or something. But um what was kind of cool about everything is that um, like I said, my first Richard Tracks was crazy. Like I would have like 80 instruments in it going on. So it was like a mixture of like any kind of different genres you can think of, you know, per se. And like I said, my dad, he was a DJ in the club and he played stuff on the radio. So like he was also kind of like my AR. But he was kind of like the industry AR that makes any sense. My mom was like the creative AR. 
like you know you know have fun experiment try different things kind of like broaden my horizons in terms of like the music scope and my mm-hmm. dad was like yo listen to these tempos listen to these bpms um you know take all this stuff out and what's crazy is i fought him for so many years because i was just i just wanted to kind of come to my own sound but you know i'll, I'll tell you that part later but I, I just think it's you know for people starting off you know don't necessarily get caught up on everything that's going around you just have fun and just you know trust the process and just you'll come to your own sound eventually which i did because i feel like if i actually would have listened to a lot of people earlier on and kind of make you know these beats in a way they want to make probably wouldn't still be here today you know what i mean no, that's real. No, that's real. That's that's real as fuck, man. Like for real, for real. And actually, um, just as a good segue, because you said your dad was pretty much like uh, a big DJ here in St. Louis, man. Mm-hmm. Um, how did that translate to you start working in like the you know? Because I don't think we never had this conversation, so it this would be a good conversation here. So how did you like transition, like start working with people like in the industry and stuff like that? Like how did that transition happen? For me, yeah. Um, like we talking about like on the. Pro- Production side or like the AR side? AR side, just period, just period in the industry in general. Was AR production, whatever. Like, how did how did you just get your foot, like the just like your foot in the door, period? Like, how did that even happen in the first place? Man, we got to start back at the beginning, right? <laughs> like I said, we got time, bro. So, hey, yeah, so, um, so many, many moons later, flash forward um, to pick up from the story about the, the FL saga. So, we, we all know how that started. So one day I was cleaning up my cousin's room. I was helping her clean her room up. And um, her room was junky as hell. But I remember going through her room and I found a CD cover. And I was like, what the hell is this? It was black with grain writing on it. And like, what it looks like to be a Toronto maple leaf. <laughs> you already know where I'm going. Oh yeah. The classic, <laughs> so, the classic, the classic. So I'm going through it. I'm like 2001 chronic, what is this? And I'm like, I knew of the name, right? But what kind of intrigued me was, if anybody's seen um, Dr. Dre Chronic 2001, the collages on the inside, with him in like in the studio, and then on the back, it's just him standing on top of a bunch of like um, records. And I was just like, I was just intrigued by that. So I was like, yo, can I have this? Just the cover, <laughs> not the CD. And then she was like, yeah, eventually I found the CD. And um, I just remember listening to that and I was just like, yeah, I want to be a producer when I grow up. This is like, I can, I want to say um, I made a conscious effort in sixth grade. I wanted to be a producer. So like looking at, you know, that cover and everything, I was like, I don't know what none of this stuff is, but I'm going to figure it out. So um, long story short, um, you know, the beats got serious over a period of time, right? I sold my first beat um, after I got out of high school for like $300 college. And I was bit by the bug ever since. So for me, you know, selling beats was cool, but I was like, you know, if I'm gonna be a producer, I need to be associated with an artist. So at the time I was just solo. I was hitting up a bunch of people. I was doing like a lot of stuff with like a lot of random artists here. And I'll be honest, most of my clientele came from the hood. <laughs> so I, I was good in that aspect of, um, you know, selling beats, but I, I never could get on the radio or in the clubs. That's, that was like the main goal. So I tried and tried and then you know, I just like, whatever, I'm just gonna stick what I know, stick to the street stuff. And I just did that. But I was like, I know I had like a soulful R&B side. So at the time I was going to um, Forest Park Community College, shout out to Forest Park Community College. They got the best breakfast ever. <laughs> um, <laughs> shout out to them. I just remember I, I was in this music class 
because I was just, I forgot what I was. I think I was just taking regular classes, but I ended up taking like a music course. And the music course was kind of cool because I don't know if you guys ever been to like the music lab at the time in Forest Park. They got it's, it's like kind of like the computer I got in the back, but it was like the old the old IMAX. You know what I'm saying? And they, each station had like an iMac and like a Kurzweil keyboard, right? And basically you would just work on beats, but they had like reasons on there. Like the class, I had to do reasons. So like every day they had like kind of like an open kind of, um, almost like a study hall. You can kind of go in and work on beats or whatever. So I don't know, man, like I tell people my favorite idol of all time is like Puff. So like I kind of got that that DNA in me. So I, I was playing my beats and like first day I went in with laser eyes, like, yo, who got the hottest beats? And there was this guy, I called him, um, I forgot his name, but he was like the Kanye West of um, <laughs> um, Forest Park at the time. And meaning that he was like, you know how Kanye West ego is? He was like that dude, because he had the hottest beats. Mm-hmm. So when I came around, I had the hottest beats. <laughs> People was telling him that. So he felt a certain way to the point where like, I would just show up in the studio, he'll be working on something. I'll hear some music playing in the hallway. And as soon as I come in, I'm like, what up, man? Like, What's up? It, it just be quiet and all you hear is, And when I was in there, he wouldn't play music, so he he didn't he didn't want the the smoke. So anyway, long story short, um, shout out to West. Um, this dude named West. He used to run the uh, run like the um, kind of like the study program. He's from the West Coast, and every day I would come in, I'd be like, "Yo, yo, West, who got the heat today?" And West, he was sitting at the front of the class. He'd be like, "Yo, they don't want it today with you, but no one got the heat." So every day I would come in like clockwork, like, "Who got the heat today?" And then nobody. So one day I came in, I was like, yo, what up, Wes? I said, yo, who got the heat today? He's like, actually, some dude in the back named Perry, he got the heat. I'm like, oh, word? He was like, yeah. So I'm like, yo, Perry, raise your hand. <laughs> Takes the headphone off. I was like, yo, you got the heat? He's like, yeah. So you got something on you? He comes up, I'll never forget this with a purple Memorex CD. He put it in. And when, I, when he hit play, I was just like, yeah, I got to lock in with this dude. Because at the time, you know, we know as producers well now we know it's more complex right like there's actually more than one person in the process but at the time all we saw was like the man in front like the Dre's I didn't know at the time Dre had like 13 people under him (laughs) you know and Timbaland and stuff like that but like I was like yo I'm gonna do this by myself I'm gonna be number one on but when I heard Perry's stuff I said yo he different I like it but this is missing I can do something with this we can do something so I literally on a spot I didn't know this dude from Adam I invited him over to my, my house I'm like, yo, I got equipment. What's up? So yeah, so he, he pulled over. He came up and like, dude, the first sessions we had, I remember we were working on beats. And you know, because usually when you work with somebody, you just, it's a vibe. You try to, you know, figure out and find. And we just clicked it from jump. And like the, the difference between him and I was um, his ear was super musical, but he can actually play it out. But I feel like my ear was more technical. What, you know, I can like drive it home where it needs to go. And I, I know what we need. So he can kind of issue everything out and I can just take that and make everything make sense. So one of the first tracks he worked on, he played, he literally played this kind of like musical piece just on the keyboard in, in FL. And he did that for like 15 minutes. And he said, all right, bro, I got to go. My ride's outside. I'm like, all right, cool. And I went, damn, we, I was like, shit, we really didn't work on the beat. He just kind of played the piano for 15 minutes and I recorded it. So I was like, fuck it. So literally I listened to what he played and I was like, yo, this is actually kind of hard. So it was so much information there that I was able to strip out information for a baseline, information for like, you know, the regular chords. And then also I was able to write a string section for what he did. 
And I emailed him that beat later that night. And, and we started basically working like that because he lived in the county and I lived in Central West End. And we started working back and forth, kind of like emailing people, I mean, emailing each other and I did it too. And then before you know it, I'm like, yo, I kind of like the way this workflow feels. I'm like, I think I want to, you know, it's, it's kind of like you dating somebody, you talking to them, yeah, I think I kind of want to be with her. It was like that, you know, but I was like, yo, I kind of want to work with this. So I remember, I was like, yo, meet me at Forest Park tomorrow. I think it was like a Saturday. So we went to Forest Park. I had this folder with a bunch of paper and I was like, yo, I sound be honest. I was like, I've been producing, you know, for a while, but I was like, I really want to take it to the next level. And I said, I think you dope. I think we can come together and do some stuff. He's like, yeah. I said, but you know, if you're down, I'm down. He said, I'm down. I said, cool. And I was big on, you know, Puffs My Eyes. I was big on Brandon. And I was like, all right. I said, what the hell are we going to call ourselves? I said, because we can't just be Byron and Perry because that's boring. So we literally sat there for like, um, like I said, shout out to Forest Park Breakfast. <laughs> we sat there at Forest Park Cafeteria eating breakfast and kind of like brainstorming names or whatever. And we had a few names it was nailed down to, but then one stood out the most. Actually, a lot of names came out that, which I'll tell you later, but the main name that stood out was this name. And I was like, all right, I could work with that. And it was the Urban Legends. <laughs> Urban so, Legends, yes, sir. So that was the start of that name. And so now we have the name. And then so now we have to, you know, build up the stock. So we were still, I started bringing him with a lot of clientele that I was already working on. And already, like I said, the, um, the experience was enhancing. We started booking sessions. We started doing sessions with artists, but I was like, I wanted more, I wanted more. So shout out to my boy, Blake Symphony. Shout out um, to him, man. Blake, Blake Symphony is a dope, 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 talented producer, um, visionary, uh, super ahead of his time, but all around good dude. I met him in college and um, he, uh, he was always early on artists, right? He would put me on artists, but it was just one artist in particular. He told me about that she was like dope. And I was like, all right. And at the time, my space was popping. So I was like, you know what? She's kind of dope. And I said, like, what I got to lose? So I literally hit her up. And I was like, hey, you know, I like your vibes. We'll love to sing you music. She was like, and I think at the time, it wasn't like we have things like Dropbox. I think what I did, um, shout out to soundclick.com. <laughs> I yes, sent her, um, you know, the Urban Legend SoundClick. And um, she was like, yo, I like your music. Um, I want to mess with these two tracks. And that artist was Teresa Janae. Shout so out to like um, she messed with our tracks. But the only thing was, I don't think she had it. She had it. <laughs> she had a studio. So she was like, you guys got somewhere you, you can record. And I was like, yeah, we had because we had a studio downtown on Washington. And um, I was like, yeah, come to the studio. And we worked together. So like, you know, the first track we did with her was on the song called Freedom and then um, dance with me. And then I, I pretty much kind of helped her record her whole first EP, like the TJ EP. And then nice. I co-produced uh, a few tracks on there with her. So that was like my first time co-producing with somebody outside of Urban Legends. But then also that's my first time recording other people <laughs> tracks that weren't mine. So it was kind of cool because th that started getting our name around as producers. But what happened was, Man, we wanted to work with rappers. And as you know, back then, the scene was so divided from, um, it was like the street rap stuff. And then it was the stuff that was played in the clubs. And then you had, you know, at the time what we call, you know, the backpack kids. And those were the dudes that was um, all at the high point. <laughs> you know, all, all the Rockies and the, the Tufts of the world and the Black Spades. So mm -hmm. I was like, you know, we gotta find some way to break into this market. So we was hitting up everybody. Nobody wanted our beats. Like we, we still have the street stuff 
and we were still doing stuff with TJ, but I felt like, I said, yo, man, people just need to be R&B producers. Kind of like people thought for the Neptunes for a while. And I was like, it was cool, but we really wanted to do the most exciting, you know, energy shit. So like, I don't know how, but I got I got in contact with Tef and um, I, I, I sent Tef some of, um, you know, the Urban Legend beats. And I just remember he, he invited me over to, um, at the time, um, Tech Supreme spot. And I just remember one of the first beats I played on was um, Money Over Here. And like the rest was history. <laughs> Let's just say everybody started calling after that. <laughs> so, yeah. That's what's up. Hey, bro. That's, shout out to Tiff Paul, man. man. Hey, yo, shout out, man. Shout out to Tiff, man. Shout out to Rocky. Shout out to Spade. Shout out to mm-hmm. Teresa Janae. Man, shout out to everyone, man. Like, you know, the scene. You know, especially, you know, because, you know, I missed the, you know, the thing about it is I never got a chance to participate in the high point days, man. Like I was like, I came through, like I came through in 09 for the most part in the same, man. I think I want to say the high point time ended maybe like what, 07, 08, something like man, that. I couldn't time. even tell you. I wasn't even part of this thing. I was still in the streets. <laughs> 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 and by the streets, I don't mean like putting that work in. I was putting that work in on the music in the streets. So, you know what I mean? Oh, no, no, ain't shit wrong with that, man. So, so, uh, so tell me, uh, like, how'd you uh, end up going to uh, NY and now that you're on the West Coast, like, how did you end up uh, traveling over to the East Coast and then to the West Coast? Like, tell, tell me how that ended up happening. Yeah, so, like, man, I'll be honest, like, I, I personally feel like or where I saw things going in the future, I started to cap out in St. Louis, meaning that, you know, it's, it's kind of you think about the producers now about how like they always ask like who's on your you know your wish list and you're like man i worked with everybody already like you asked your boy that he says that you know what i mean but like for me it was like everybody in st louis that mattered i worked with you know what i mean i worked with the bangers i worked with you know tough pole i worked with rocky Teresa payne um Teresa janae indiana rome um, william h um vandalism basically everybody <laughs> that, that, that mattered and i was just like i need to grow as a person. So I went to New York and I went to New York, obviously with the dreams of, you know, doing this whole, you know, producer stuff. So long story short, um, actually none of my stories are short. It's gonna be like the longest podcast ever, but um, I went <laughs> no, to New York. Um, my cousin, shout out to my cousin. Uh, she was super plugged in New York and she was like, you know, I think you should come out here just to visit. You might like it, meet some people you never know. I'm like, all right, cool. So what's actually funny, uh, I, um, I'll show you later, but actually I still have Perry's and I first um, Urban Legends press kit. Like we were like super ahead of the game. Like we had everything kind of like, you know, printed out. We had, you know, branded CDs, the whole nine yards. So I went to New York, or we went to New York with attentions on, you know, getting that issue off as a music producer so she's she set me up with a meeting her um her boyfriend's at the time best friend was um kevin lyle's assistant i don't know if you guys are familiar with kevin lyle's but oh yeah the, yeah yeah he, he's a big deal <laughs> oh oh definitely oh yeah definitely definitely yeah. so um she set me up a meeting at warner music group that was my first label meeting of all time it was at warner music group because at the time you know he was over there and so we went out there with attentions for the meeting. Um, something happened, and I know Perry, he missed his flight, so he came like, I think later that day or the next day. So he he wasn't able to take part in that meeting. But I remember, like it was yesterday, being in that meeting, getting their, um, your visitor pass that says Warner Music, 
and it has your name on it and like my heart's beating because i never had label meetings before you know you know you know how it is hitting up a and r's they don't hit you back so i'm like cool <laughs> right, I'm like, right. I'm like, I'm and i like somewhere i know somebody so i'm in the conference room do we have me waiting for hellas by the way i'm in the conference room they got these big ass speakers on the wall um don't you hate when you have a show and people are like can i curse on this show they had these uh, uh, go for it hey <laughs> go for it bro hey go for it this is right. hey, Go for they, it. they had these big ass speakers on the wall and he came in, you know, chopped it up one said, Yeah, man. So yeah, play some stuff. So my cousin dipped. She's like, I'm gonna let y'all do what y'all do. So literally I played at the time some demo songs that I had, and they were like with these these songwriters we were working with at the time in St. Louis. And um <laughs> I played with another artist. Well, I'm not gonna say their name, but let's just say after a few tracks, <laughs> man's tell me to cut it off. He's like, Yo, you can cut it off. He was like, yo, he was like, yo, whoever's singing should just kill themselves. <laughs> Damn. And he was like, them songwriters, not, them songwriters is not it. He was like, them songwriters should write for the person that I told they should kill themselves. And I was like, Shit. I said, word. I said, I appreciate that. And then I was like, um, so you looking for beats for anything? <laughs> anything? He's like, yeah. He's like, yeah, apply. I think at the time they had plies and like, it was, it was a bunch of other random artists. Um, I can't think of right now. But anyway, he gave me the list and I was like, whatever, that's a connect. And then, um, I don't know. I was just, I didn't, was, I wasn't rubbed wrong by the meeting. I was just like, all right, that's, I guess that's all I needed to hear. <laughs> so Perry came up and then I was like, yo, he said, how'd the meeting go? And I was like, that's a very interesting. I was like, you told me that uh, the artists should kill themselves and the writers were in it. I said, but you know, we, we made the best of it. And later that night, uh, we got invited to this, this party. And um, I got this call from this because um, we we were back then we were we were into like investing into artists. So we would put up budgets to do artist projects, and artist manager called us, and then she was like, "Yeah, we want to go a different direction. You know, we don't want to you know put out the project with you guys." And we already kind of had the money set aside for her project, and I was like, "All right, cool, whatever." So um, man, let's just say later later that day we went out we started a tab and that budget we just said <laughs> we just hey, you know, fuck it, it just that, basically yeah fuck everybody it. so we we was them dudes you know for that night in new york so most of the show we get back to the hotel um and we chilling and you remember um ustream it was like pre-twitch oh yeah definitely definitely so i saw on twitter that puff was about to go on ustream he's like yo i'm about to go live and i'm like yo puff's my idol all right cool so Puff's live on Ustream. I'm like, yo, I got to meet this dude. I'm in New York. I'm going to take my shot. So everybody's acting, you know, it's no different than, you know, Instagram. People go on Instagram live these days and like everybody's like standboying out in the comments. You can't get issued out. So literally I I typed what I wanted to say and I copied it. And all I said was, um, yo, what's going on? I'm Byron of uh, the Urban Legends. How can I get beats to you? So I copied and I think I pasted that like a few times, right? And I was, I didn't give up. I just, I, I didn't spam it, but I posted when I felt there was a, a break in the rhythm of people posting. And mm-hmm. I just, I remember posting it and I turned my head away for a second. And all I heard was, shout to Byron B or the Urban Legends. Yo, you want to get music to me? Just just send it to Skid. And I was like, oh, did, he just, did Puff just say my name? <laughs> I was like, all right. Man. So I'm sitting there at this time, it's like three o'clock in the morning in New York. I'm just in befuddled in the damn hotel room. Like, who the hell is Skit? Do I ask more questions or what? And I was like, it's Puff. I can't ask more questions. I was like, you know what? I got to think. So I was like, if, if I'm sending music to Skit, he must be the A&R. I 
cool. And I was like, well, hell, how do I find him? And then some clicked my head was like, yo, just call the studio. <laughs> so I called daddy's house, looked it up, you know, I looked online and I called daddy's house, phone rang. It was like daddy's house. I said, yo, am I speak to Skid? And it was like quiet like this. And I was like, hello? He said, yeah. I said, man, I speak to Skid. He said, yeah, that's him. What's up? I was like, Puff told me to call you? <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then I kind of gave him my whole spiel. I was like, yeah, I went to the producer from St. Louis, Urban Legends. I got beats, you know, Puff told me to hit you up. He's like, yeah, cool. He gave me an email address and I hit him up. And then after he gave me an email address, I was like, yo, should I send these tonight? Or should I send these in tomorrow? So anyway, long story short, I ended up emailing him. It was a whole process. For, for the sake of time, I'll, I'll cut that story down. Sent them beats that night. Um, the next day, you know, we were chilling in New York and I get back to St. Louis. And at the time, it's like 2009. I'm like, man, I really got more done in a week than I ever had in St. Louis. Like I said, I capped out. So at this time, I'm like, you know what? I talked to my cousin and I, I sent her a bunch of press kits that were still in our place. And I was like, yo, can you, can you pass these around? She's like, I'm beyond it. She's like, it's, it's best if people saw your face to put it with the music. She's like, you should just move here. And I was like, man, um, I don't know anybody. She was like, well, dummy, you know me. Okay, that's the point. And then I, <laughs> and at the time, you know, I wasn't, you know, you know, the, the money and music was cool, but it wasn't like cool enough to move to New York. So I was like, yo, you know, the money's kind of crazy. She, but she's like, I'm not gonna let you sit here and starve in the streets. You know, I wasn't starving or nothing, but you know, I wasn't making any crazy bread like that anyway. So I was like, all right, cool. And then the third thing was, I was like, man, well, I don't really have a, a job lined up. She was like, the place I work at, which she remained nameless, well, not right now, but back then it was a, a, a huge mu musical retailer, fill in the blank. You know, uh, <laughs> I worked for them in St. Louis. And she was like, you can just transfer out here. There's a bunch of those stores out here, music stores. And I'm like, all right, cool, whatever. So I went and I told my mom, I was like, yo, I'm thinking about moving to New York. She's like, word. I was like, yeah. I was like, I, I think I'm done here. <laughs> and she was like, all right. And then, you know, I told Perry, I was like, yo, I said, we, we still, you know, doing Urban Legends, but I'm going to take this for the team and I'm going to go figure it out in New York. He said, all right. And I was like, yo, I said, but, you know, just stay here, man, everything we got. And I'm going to go out there and then those relationships. So I went to New York, mm -hmm. uh, wanted to, the, I guess part of the huge part of the story was there was this book by Kevin Lyles that I ended up, you know, buying. It's called Make It Happen. It's a really, really old book. It's a good book. If anybody wants to read a good book, it's called Make It Happen. And long okay. story short, this book is about, um, let's get these. Um, this book is about basically making it happen out of nothing. You know, it's about everybody who he's worked with and how like they saw an opportunity and was able to kind of make it work. Even if there was an opportunity there, they were super persistent enough. So me being in New York, working this job in this musical retail store, which I'm not going to name, you know, part-time. I was like, I'm out here, you know, but mind you, I'm in New York, I know my cousin. I didn't know any artists. I didn't know anybody at the labels, but my, <laughs> my optimist gas was like, I'm going to internship at Warner Music Group because I know the dude. No, nah, he left mm -hmm. me on crickets. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, so I was like, cool, whatever. And I was like, you know what? I do have one connect. I was scared of that bad boy. And I was like, I'm just gonna send him beats. It's cause you know, people were sending him beats on Twitter. But then I noticed I wasn't really getting the feedback because everybody was sending him beats. And I was like, you know what? Yeah, I'm a kind of person. You see a need, feel a need, right? I was like, I'm just gonna be his assistant. I just I just kind of made myself 
that in my head. I'm like, who's gonna be his assistant? Mm. I'm pretty sure you need somebody to go through those beats. <laughs> right, 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 right. So I, I hit him up, like, yo, you, I said, yo, you looking for an assistant? He was like, no, not right now, not at the time. You know, maybe later. I'm like, all right, cool. I kid you not, JB. I hit up this man for like damn near a month. Damn. I would call to daddy's house every other day. And then for one point I called every day for like a whole week to the point every time I call, they would laugh on the phone to me, like the receptionist. <laughs> so they was like, yo, this dude Byron's calling again. I would hear, these, hear them laughing in the background. I was like, yo, daddy's house. I talked to scared and I'm like, yo, he ain't here. And I would hear him laugh and they hang up. I'm like, all right, cool. So I did that for a while. And then eventually one day I just asked, yo, what time does he come in? They say, well, he usually comes in at eight. I was like, all right, cool. So now I timed it out. Like, all right, I'm not going to call it eight. I'll call it 830. Because, you know, that gives you a time to settle in and do you. So, you okay. know, he picked up a few times. And then one time, you know, he was like, yo, you know, I'm not really looking for that right now. And I said, all right, cool. And then one day I called. He was like, um, he said, yeah, actually, can you do me a favor? He was like, can you go and um, I'm looking for this producer. Can you find something on him and download it and send it to me? All right, cool. I did that. And then he just kept texting me back. He was like, yo, um, actually, can you re-download this, label it properly, and send it back to me? All right, cool. Then he started asking me to do other stuff. And he was like, yo, you know, while you're at it, can you um, make me a list for like the Billboard charts for like the last 10 years, but just the hip hop and R&B, and I need just the producers. I'm like, cool. So I have to go and write all the top songs of the year and the producers, and I sent that to him. He said, oh yeah, while you're at it, my bad. Send me 15 years. But producers and songwriters, all right, cool. And then he's like, yo, just do 20 years, produce songwriters, and also add the pop charts to it. I was like, all right, cool. So I'm just doing it. Mind you, I'm still hustling at the day job. And I sent it to him. And I got a text that changed my life. It was like, yo, what are you doing tonight? And I was like, nothing. He said, yo, come to the studio. And <laughs> I let's just say, I was bit by the bug, you know, since then. So that was my first kind of like introduction to like the major label side was being um, an apprentice at Bad Boy in the A&R department. I call it an apprentice because I wasn't a real intern because I didn't go through the corporate system. And like a lot of the interns were pissed when I showed up because they had to leave at five o'clock. And I was there from like five o'clock to like four o'clock in the morning in the studio. Hmm. They was pissed, like, it was this dude, you know? And at the time it clicked for me. I was like, yo, even though I produce, I was like, I think this A&R path is something I should really look into. Cause like I was doing it in the St. Louis, like I said, I was, I end up, you know, doing sessions that had nothing to do with my beats, but then also I was like, you know, putting together sessions and helping people get sessions. I was getting engineers paid on other stuff that wasn't mine. It was just, I was just kind of like making calls and making things happen for the, you know, the better, the better picture of the project, you know? So <clears throat> I just absorbed everything I could my time in Bad Boy. And then, you know, when I, I, I departed from Bad Boy, I was like, you know, I'm going to business for myself. And I, I changed my model, even though I was still producing, because a lot of dope stuff happened for, you know, the Urban Legends during that year. Um, I started actually experimenting more on the A&R side. So I'll, I'll stop the story there for you. <laughs> hey, man, hey, yo, that's, you know, like I said, this is the first time I actually heard the story. So that's, damn. Mm -hmm. But you know what, man, yo, but you know, it just shows that your persistence and consistency was just very key for you to go ahead and do what you need to do. Um, with bad boy man and like you just said it ended up paying off for you at the end of the day you know what i'm saying so that's something i think a lot of people do need to hear it's like you know being persistent and being consistent persistent and consistent 
you know, it's just so key out here, especially within the industry, you know, within that industry, well, any industry, honestly, but just mm-hmm. but specifically in within the music industry and sp- specifically within like, you know, where you were with trying to basically be an AR apprentice to basically becoming an actual A&R. Right. So no, so no, that's, no, that's, that's actually very good to hear. I'm glad you ended up really said that. So now tell us how, uh, just real quick, man, uh, tell us how you got to uh, West Coast, like how you got to like Cali and the West Coast, how that ended up happening. I capped out in New York. So <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I was, I was, um, I was producing, you know, uh, Urban Legends. We had a nice run. Then I started doing a bunch of solo stuff and started working on bands. And I was like, yo, I said, even though I, I love production, I was like, this A&R stuff was my calling. So I was still applying to like internships, <laughs> just any entry level job I can get. It didn't matter and nothing. And um, I had a good talk with my wife and I was like, yo, all the homies, it's in LA, you know, most of them got Grammys now and they worked on like big projects and all this stuff in the rainbow. And I said, they just tell me just to come out there. I just got to try it. So literally um, we came out here and, you know, she took a bunch of meetings for her job and I took a bunch of meetings with the connects I did have in the industry. And even when I came out here, we, we just, we just dropped everything in New York and just moved out here. I mean, so yeah, so we got, we got out here and, um, yeah, once again, I'm back at a music retail store, but a, a different one this time. And I was like, I, I can't go down that rabbit hole again. So I was like, you know, I, I need to get internship. I said, like, that's it. That's the only thing I'm doing. So mind you, I'm, I'm old now. And I've been out of college many, many moons ago. <laughs> so I literally <laughs> went back to school. Actually, I was kind of back at school beforehand. This was like the main intentions to get an internship when I was in New York. So I literally went back to school just to get an internship. So I, once I got back into school, I was able to get an internship in the Warner Music Group program. And mm-hmm. um, I finally got back at my my dream label, which is, like I said, Warner Music Group. And so that, that led me to L.A. And let's just say, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll leave that part off because I'm pretty sure you probably might actually do the next part after that. But that's how we ended up in L.A. Yeah. Damn. So, uh, how, so how long have, were you dealing with Warner Music Group and are you still dealing with them today? Oh, hell yeah, man. So I got my first internship with them in 2018 i started right actually no i um yeah 2018 spring so like top of january i started and i did that for three months and let's just say i killed it and then after that they basically created a job for me i became the studio assistant to like the global a and r team and like these nice. are the dudes that do like some of like the biggest records around from like all the pop stuff to like all the dance and like r&b and like hip-hop stuff and just being around all those A&Rs all day and in the studio was kind of dope because obviously I have background experience of being in the studios in St. Louis and in New York. But mm-hmm. now, like I said, they created a job for me to be the studio assistant, which not only was I the studio assistant, I was also kind of like the full assistant studio manager because like when the studio manager, when she was out of the country, I was like basically running sessions and organizing the calendar. And also okay. I was also the runner, but I, I had so much pride being a runner. You know, runner is the person that goes go get the food or whatever for you. Because like one thing I will say, my mom always told me growing up, you know, no matter what you do in life, just make sure you're the best. So she said, even if you're working at McDonald's and you're flipping fries, just make sure you're the best down, you know, fry flip in the world. You know what I mean? So I've always right. kept that with me every job I had. So let's just say when I was an intern, it was like, you, you're not a regular intern. They hired me to be at a studio assistant and I just, I killed that. But then obviously the big goal was to be an A&R. But at the time, like, you know, getting a, an A&R spot or even like an assistant A&R spot is kind of like, it's hard. So I did that for a year. I actually got my first placement as a music producer because I was pitching stuff. And then like 
you know, landing my first placement with like, you know, Bad Baby and LA Chopper. So that was kind of dope. And I was still hustling, you know, trying to get my stripes as A&R, you know, pitching beats from producers I know, setting up, you know, writing sessions. And um, yeah, one day um, my boss comes to me. She's like, do you know who that guy was that just left? I was like, no. And she was like, yo, that's like the head of HR for the whole company. Mm. She was like, um, Cardi's, Cardi B's A&R is looking for an assistant. <laughs> Are you interested? I was like, hell yeah. <laughs> She's like, yeah. yeah. She's like, you need to send me a resume right now. Cause like they're they're trying to move quick, preferably with somebody on the inside. And man, dude, I've never gotten so many down letters or recommendations from people before. But let's just say I got that job too. So to answer your question, yes. Uh, I'm currently working at um Atlantic Records as an assistant AR, assistant um, you know, obviously Cardi's AR, which is right now the biggest artist on our roster. So yeah. My nigga, which is still under the which is still under the Warner Music Group um, imprint. So, like I said, I'm at my dream label. <laughs> finally, finally, finally got the gig. You know what I mean? So we we in the building. You know, my nigga, look look how guy move. <laughs> you know hey, what they man. say? Won't he won't he do it? <laughs> won't he fucking do, bro? Yeah, yeah. I bro, I look man, look. Shout out to you, man, because like Appreciate that's you. that's that's a hell that's a hell of a story, man. That's a hell of a move. Like everything you told me, because I, like like I said earlier, I always was curious to how the story happened. And so mm-hmm. like now that I pretty much know and now the people know, like yeah. that's a hell of a story, man. Like this, that's definitely like it looks weird for the outside. Like if, like I said, if you're not in contact on the reg and just you just see things happen. Like wait, I don't know what he actually does. You know what I mean? But you know, so some years, man. But like I said. I, I was determined a long time ago so I'm gonna be in the industry and you know we we're here now you know what I mean absolutely absolutely and you know before we shut down man uh, I do want to ask so since you since now you get had your foot in the industry on both the east coast and the west coast mm-hmm. what would you tell somebody that like wants to get in the industry like as far as like the the do's and don'ts like just just real brief like if you would say like okay i would say if you want to get in the industry do this don't do this like what would you, what kind of advice would you give someone that's that's interested in it you just gotta figure it out <laughs> <laughs> i figured it out it's crazy like like all the stuff that um i remember hitting up anrs back in the day on and i never got responses i actually get those emails now so i, I cringe when i see those i'm like man i see why i didn't re- get responded to but <laughs> i would say the big thing if, if you're a producer um excuse me just lock in with an artist you know and because i feel like that's going to be the best way for you to um figure out your sound and your process right but then like just collaborate with other producers you know and other musicians to figure out what's the best possible way that you can get there and i would, I would say i'll tell you the truth man i wouldn't even hit up labels I would just focus on like making the best possible music you can in like your city and like try to build up a like you know like a movement behind that or whatever because like the thing is that if you hot people like me we'll, we'll seek you out you know what i mean i hit up kids all the time you'd be surprised that got like less than like a thousand plays on soundcloud or they got like 20 views on beat on youtube because I, I just feel like there's something there mm-hmm. actively seeking them out so my thing is that you have better chances if you're just doing you running your race and somebody seeks you out versus you bombarding somebody now if you feel like you're ready to take a step at the bat then by all means go ahead and shoot your shot and you know network and sound the ARs but just do know that you know these ARs are busy and they can't listen to everybody's stuff so it's like you got to come correct so for me my pet peeve is like don't send me any beats or songs and then you kind of like 
it's me and like 40 other ARs on the email thread. That looks super tacky. Just, you know, send me a solo email, a clear subject, and whatever you do, please don't attach like 17 beats. If you do that, just make like a Dropbox link or something, you know, or a Vox account, you know, and then just have your contact information there, you know what I mean? And people don't care about your life stories. I, I, um, I took that blame too, coming up. I want to email people, oh man, I'm from St. Louis, Missouri. I like chocolate pancakes, you know what I mean? No, they don't care about your life stories, man. Just keep it short and sweet, man. And, and, if, and you know, and follow up. But also, like I said, you, you really got to decide what you want to do. For me, it was the producer route, which, you know, I still produce to this day, but like, I fell in love with the, the A&R side of it. And, you know, that's something I personally wanted to explore for myself, you know, go up high in the ranks, you know, one day to be like a huge, you know, label executive, so we're we, we still working. But, you know, just be persistent and remember why you started, you know? And don't take nothing for granted, but also don't shit on people on your way to wherever you're going, because those same people you shit on, you'd be surprised. You're going to be forced to take a meeting with them one day, and you're like, damn. <laughs> no, that's real. No, that, yeah. that's, that's, that's on the You yeah, never right, know. Go, right. You know, treat, treat the janitor with the same respect you do uh, the chairman, you know? No, that's real, man. No, no, don't burn bridges, man, because you never know we got to cross them shits again. That's no, that's right. real. That's that's 100% real, man. Dog, like, no, I hate that we got to shut this down, man, but dude, you, you gave me some, like, like saying, like... Hit me back whenever, man, because... Yeah, know, I hate... You know, <laughs> like, for real, man, because, like, no, this, this is definitely a good episode, man, with some great information. Just hearing about your, the story, man, like, so I truly 100% appreciate it, man, so... Um, before we go ahead and shut down with everything, I love to give people a uh, space opportunity to give out their contact information, especially mm-hmm. since, especially since you uh, in the industry and being an A&R and stuff like that, man. Like, you know, give out your contact information, anything that you're currently working on, anyone that you're currently working with. Cause I know you say you A&R for Cardi B right now for Atlantic. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I want to give you that space and opportunity, man. Just go ahead and get out your information. Gotcha. Well, disclaimer, I don't A&R for Cardi B. I assist the ANR who does. <laughs> there you go. There we 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 go. Okay. 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 Some people would get mad. This comes out like, what? He said he was the ANR for Cardi B. Uh, the assistant ANR. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. But no, yeah. So if you might want to reach me on uh, Instagram, just Lord um, Byron B. That's L O R D Byron B Y R O N B. And that's all on Instagram. Um, you want to send some demos? Yeah. Hit up um, here mymp3 at gmail.com and it sounds and spells exactly the way it sounds like here mymp3 at gmail.com and yeah just send me some music I'm, I'm looking for whatever so producers songwriters artists and that's the best way to, to you know contact me just let me know like hey I, I heard you on this podcast and that way I'll, I'll listen to it for sure I, mean, I listen to everything but that's the best way and as far as I'm, what I'm working on man um, on the producer side like I said I got a lot of things I'm really excited about. I'm working with this um, new artist from Australia. Her name is um, Tazzy. And okay. we're gearing up to release her project in May. So this is like, you know, my not, I haven't really been away from producing, but this is the first time you're going to hear like a, a body of work that I worked on like in a minute. So I'm excited about that. And then I have this other artist uh, named Jared Brady that I actually a and out here in LA. He's super dope. So you guys uh, check him out whenever you get a chance to just um, enjoy Jared on all platforms. And uh, he's a super dope kid. Um, still work with Fonz. Shout out to Fonz in St. Louis for the win. Shout and out to him. We just put out a project called Every Good Boy Does Fine. And um, yeah, I'm just excited. And I'm still working with Perry. Shout out to Urban Legends. You know, Malcolm Martin. And you know, I'm drawing a blank. But right now, that's kind of like the priority stuff that I'm working on. And then obviously at Atlantic, we got a lot of stuff going on. So that for all you producers and songwriters, if you want to submit anything, for the roster or you feel like you got beats but no one listening to them like I said hit up here at mymp3 at gmail.com 
I'm always looking for stuff. We have a ton of great new artists on the roster. Also a lot of seasoned artists and everybody's working. So if you got the heat, send it in. I'm always looking for the heat, but you know, come correct. There you go, man. And you know, do you have any final words to the good people out there, man? Just listen to the show. Man, just do you. Stay consistent, run your race. You know, it's, it's a marathon. And, you know, all good things come to those who wait, but like, you know, just you can't, you know, people will fall off. Just put it like that. But as long as you do you, then, you know, you're good. You know what I mean? We, we have to do another episode one day because I really want to dive deep into like the mechanics of like the placement game because I feel like a lot of people are missing certain steps to kind of even get considered in that arena on the levels. So I can give some tips that it'll change your whole outlook on how to get placements in the industry. You know what I mean? That's a conversation for another day. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. No, definitely. We're going to do man. a part two to this. 100%, man. We definitely going to do a part two to this. 100%. Yeah. 100%, man. But, dude, thank you so much again, man. Like I said, it's been a second, man. But, brother, thank you so much again for taking the time out and just talking to me and giving out your story, man. Just letting people hear your story, man. Like, I truly 100% appreciate it. For real, for real. Man, anytime, man. Shout out to JB, Fruit of the Boom. You know what I mean? Fresh Produce, you know. One of the best doing it in the game right now for the Midwest, St. Louis. So, you know, real recognized, real, man. I appreciate you. Man, all day, man. Like I said, you know, the respect is mutual, brother. Like 100%, man. Like, for real, for real. So, thank you so much, man. And, uh, Everybody, that was another episode of Fruit of the Bone Podcast. Like I said, we definitely going to see about doing the part two to this, man, because we definitely want to get in some more information, some more information and education, man. So 100%. So again, like I said, follow me on all forms of social media, which is at Fruit Boom Pod. Uh, make sure you catch us on all streaming services for where you find your podcast at, Spotify, Apple, Google, Amazon, Stitcher, TuneIn. We, we out here. So just Google us, man. Fruit of the Boom Podcast. We out here. And uh, catch us uh, on our next Fresh Produce, man. We're going to try to do uh, next month live. Maybe the second Wednesday of uh, May because of the Cars game the first Wednesday. And then, like I said, of course, we got Fresh Produce online every third Wednesday of the month going forward. So uh, make sure you check us out on there. And uh, we will catch y'all next Monday, man. Peace.